Well, good morning, guys. I'm glad to be here. And uh, this message series is going to be a little different, as Scott said, um, what I live for. And uh, I, I don't necessarily, I don't think I deserve <laughs> the kind words that Scott just said about me. If, if anything about it is true, then it's because God has been working in me apart from myself. <laughs> but uh, what basically, um, oh, by the way, this is not supposed to be me. This, this guy here. <laughs> That's supposed to represent everybody that's going to be talking. I don't have that shirt, so. <laughs> but uh, it does kind of look like me, I guess. Um, I'm really glad to share, basically, that this morning, this opportunity. Um, just what motivates me and what gets me going. And uh, before I do, I just want to take a moment to pray. Help me settle my nerves and uh, just be able to speak well in front of you guys. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this morning and uh, just for giving me the opportunity to talk here and I have a really strong desire to honor you in what I say and just the things that I communicate. And so I, I pray that you would help me to do that. And uh, just as I speak, I pray that you would help me to put a guard over my mouth and speak only things that are truthful and honoring to you. So uh, just show us from your word today how we can respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things that I live for, one thing that gets me really fired up and motivated is all this soldier imagery we see in the Bible. Uh, so soldiers and armies, and um, we've been talking the past few weeks about the armor of God, um, just fighting for the Lord, um, rec- being recruited into his service. And so I love all that. I love the manliness of it. And uh, uh, so when I was trying to figure out what I live for, I tried to condense it into one statement. It took me probably like half of my sermon prep just to do that. <laughs> and uh, I, what I came up with, I put at the top of your listening guide. It's got kind of two parts. Um, I live for submitting myself to my commanding officer, who is Jesus, and also for recruiting others to his service. And I'll be the first to admit, first of all, that uh, I'm really making no claim on being the ideal image for for this cause. I think it would probably be slightly more accurate if this was called what I aspire to, um, because rather than what I'm currently living for wholeheartedly and without regression, because I'm growing in this. Um, I'm still pretty young and pretty untested, and I anticipate this goal is going to be challenged with intensifying aggression as I go through life. Uh, However, it still fires me up, and I I get excited about the idea. And um, I like this concept because, for two reasons, really. First of all, uh, I feel tremendous gratitude towards Jesus. And Cody was just talking about this as we sang that last song. Um, I'm so grateful for what he's done. And uh, when I think about the lengths that Christ went to to save me and to, to... bring me into God's family, to make me a son of God. I, I get overwhelmed. I, I like to do, um, I like to pray in the mornings and walk, just walk around a block. And as I walk, sometimes I think about um, just the lengths that Christ went in, and it's overwhelming. I, I, and while I'm walking, I usually am made aware of my shortcomings and just the, the areas that I fail in and um, get discouraged for a moment. And then I just realize that every day God offer, patiently offers me mercy and he graciously gives me wisdom to change my habits little by little. And I know for a fact, if I was trying to get through life on my own, apart from having a relationship with Jesus and, and submitting myself to God, um, I, my life would be in shambles for sure. Um, so I, I don't even know why God took the time and the effort to, to save me, basically. Out of everybody in the world, he, he chose to make me a son. Um, but he did, and I'm so grateful for it. And, and so this gratefulness that I have stirs me and motivates me to respond to him. Uh, one of the things, one of the most significant blessings he's given me that I'm also grateful for is this church, actually. All you guys. Um, 
God has used the people in this church to show me what it means to obey Jesus and to take God seriously in life, not just to be a Christian and read my Bible every day, but to really obey him, which means doing things differently than what comes naturally to us. Um, so I've learned about that, and I've received guidance and instruction uh, when it comes to everyday situations and relationships. Another thing I'm so grateful for is provision, and I see God tangibly work in my life in this way. Every time I've needed a job or, or money or things we needed to pay for, um, I have like a prayer journal full of requests that have been answered one way or another that show me that, that God is real, real and that he's, he wants to bless me. And so all these things, being here, provision, and just my salvation, just gratitude wells up within me, and I, and I want to respond in some way to Jesus. And so Jesus, I've given Jesus Christ my allegiance. The second reason that I get fired up about submitting to him is uh, that I really want to do something significant with my life. Um, and I believe that if I submit myself to him, I can. Uh, I can do something significant. And I think that started first when I, uh, I began developing a picture of Jesus that's a little bit different than what I may have started with or what you normally think. When you're in Sunday school, I mean, you, you see Jesus, a bearded man, sitting with like kids on his lap and stuff like that. And that's true. That did happen. But I've realized that um, Jesus is actually very manly. And he's, he's very commanding. You see him do some really commanding things in the Bible. And he's strong. Um, he's unimaginably wise. And he's incredibly honorable. And so I want to be like Jesus. I want to learn from him. And I want to do things the way he does them. And so I really can't think of anything more significant than helping other people to know him and to build a relationship with him also. So I want to recruit other people to his service. And so uh, as I do that, I'm motivated by seeing people commit to him, especially adults, people that um, are going through life and they've had some life experience and they come to a point where they realize that making Jesus the boss of their life is something they need to do. When that happens, that's incredibly motivating. Um, In addition, I'm also motivated by people that have already committed to Christ and decide to, to move into deeper levels of obedience to him and make some really difficult changes in their life to follow him. So if I can be a part of the process for either of those things, it's very rewarding and very satisfying. And so I've given Jesus my allegiance, and he's given me a place among his ranks. There I can serve him and make my life about something uh, that really matters in life. But there tends to be a problem that crops up as I pursue this goal. Um, Since I've decided to enlist, I've discovered that I have some personal preferences that I need to dismiss in order to please Jesus as my commanding officer. And you get a taste of this concept in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 3, and 4. It says, uh, Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Basically, that means if, if a soldier becomes distracted by worldly pursuits and fails to do what he should in ministry, he will displease Christ. And so I have a movie clip I'm going to show you that illustrates um, just the idea of just like making your life about something more significant and taking that jump. And it's from the movie The Hobbit. I don't know if we have Lord of the Ring fans here, but um, I, I identify with The Hobbit in a few ways, and I'll tell you in a minute. But um, he, uh, he has this opportunity to go on a very dangerous but potentially lucrative mission. And uh, at first he outright refuses because... Um, all he can think about is like his warm hobbit hole. It's nice and clean. Everything's put away. It's got nice dishes. <laughs> and everything is safe and comfortable there. But uh, he reconsiders it. 
the, the company that he's going to join up is a company of dwarves, and they leave. But, so we, we're going to pick up this movie clip right when he decides to change his mind. He signs the contract and, and goes after that company to, to join up with them. So let's take a look. in order. Welcome, Master Baggins, to the company of Thorin Oakenshield. <laughs> Give him a pony. No, 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 no. That, that won't be necessary. Thank you. I'm sure I can keep up on foot here. I've done my fair share of uh, walking holidays, you know. Even got as far as Frogmorton once. <laughs> about? Oh, they took wages on whether or not you'd turn up. Most of them bet that you wouldn't. And what did you think? Hmm. <laughs> My dear fellow, I never doubted you for a second. <laughs> oh, that horse hair having a reaction. Uh, no, wait, wait, stop! Stop! We have to turn around. What on earth is the matter? I forgot my handkerchief. Here. Use this. <laughs> Move on. You will have to manage without pocket handkerchiefs. And a good many other things, Bilbo Baggins, before we reach our journey's end. You were born to the rolling hills and little rivers of the Shire. But home is now behind you. The world is ahead.
I love the Hobbit, uh, and I can I can identify with him. Um, first of all, we're both kind of small. I mean, I'm tall and everything, but like neither of us really look like barbaric warriors like those other guys. So I'd probably be pretty intimidated in that group. But uh, another reason is this: the the idea of having like a warm, comfortable place just to go at the end of every day is pretty appealing. And the idea of going on he calls it an adventure. It turns out to be a lot more than an adventure. Um, just a really dangerous mission. It's, you know, I'd have to really consider if it would be worth it if I'd really want to, you know, decide to do that. Um, and then one other reason is that along the journey of life that I make, sometimes I get focused on some pretty petty things, like a handkerchief. And uh, you know, there's the temptation to forget that there's something much larger to be focused on. Um, you know, you hear Gandalf say, you're going to have to deal with a lot Pocket, or handkerchiefs and a lot of other things also before we're done. So as time goes on, I have to make increasingly difficult decisions in order to obey Christ. So I'm sure you, you can relate. I, I'm guessing that there's, uh, there's men here who, like me, want their lives to play a significant role in something large. And I've also seen women here uh, who place their sights on something that's greater. And so... You know, as the Hobbit weighs the decision to join the company earlier in the movie, Gandalf asks him, so, so when did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? And I, I don't want anybody placing bets on whether or not I'm going to pull through and step up. And I want it to be clear that I'm going to do whatever it takes, um, whatever Jesus commands me to do. So as we go along in that effort, though, if we're left to our own strategies, we can become kind of unclear in what Jesus wants us to do. And we try to find significance in some pretty misguided ways. Um, in our culture, there's a, a pretty strong pull to prioritize our lives around three different things. Uh, one is position. We long to have higher position than others. Um, it could be at work or uh, your circle of friends or somewhere, maybe even here at church. You want to have, you want to be elevated and have higher status and be seen as you know a leader or a competent boss or something like that. That just comes naturally to us. Another thing we focus on is uh, our possessions. We want to have more and better possessions than the people we know. Um, if you've ever gotten a new car, you know it's pretty satisfying and when you roll up and you have a, like a nicer car than all your friends. It's, it's just like that comes naturally. That, that just wells up inside of us. Um, and last thing is performance. We aim to outdo others in whatever we endeavor to undertake. We just want to be better and, and beat them quicker and sooner. Um, so these three things, this approach comes pretty naturally to us. Um, we may not necessarily say that our lives are about these things, but if, if we just kind of go in the direction that our, our heart wants to lead us, these things become pretty important, and these cause us to make some decisions in life that may not be that helpful. But actually, uh, pleasing God is the key to success and happiness in life. Uh, and we see that in Ecclesiastes 2.26. It says, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up the wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. So maybe you'd like your life to have tremendous significance and you'd be, like to be able to influence other people towards Jesus Christ. What we need to do is not get pulled in the, dire- the direction of these things, but we need the word of God to keep ourselves on track. Um, that's really going to be the only way to stay focused. So anyone who wants to submit himself to Jesus must have God's word ready at his fingertips. Um, in the past few weeks, Josh has been talking about the armor of God and um, the significant role that the sword of the Spirit plays, which is the Word of God. Um, so knowing the Bible is a critical part of anyone who lists in Christ's service because you've got to have a sword. And so over the past few years, I've been amassing somewhat of an armory 
for myself um, through scripture memory. It started in uh, discipleship groups here in church, uh, a kind of small group that we have. And so I've been memorizing verses, and actually I have, I have them all on a, a, a little holder right here, which um, I just got this uh, case for Father's Day this year. And uh, it was like one of the most significant gifts I ever got. I'm like really excited about it because it holds all of my verses. And well, first of all, it's leather and like Swiss Army grade and like pretty legit. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's significant to me because of what it holds. And I've seen the Word of God as I memorize and meditate on it. I've seen it make incredible impact on my life and the way I go, decisions I make, and things work out well when I do this. So. This is very significant to me, and one of the verses in here is one I want to talk about. It's a verse that I've memorized. Um, it's a key passage, passage that has kept me on track when I'm trying to pursue these things. It's Acts 20, uh, 22 through 24. And uh, Paul is the, the author here, and he's, he's kind of giving a farewell in a sense. He's, it's almost like a little bit dooming the way he sounds, but here's what he says. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So Paul wrote this. Uh, He was a man with very admirable courage. Um, And what I see is he was clear on a few things. He was clear on his assignment. He knew he had to go to Jerusalem. And he was equally clear on the fact that it wasn't going to be an easy assignment. Um, He was basically headed straight to the front of the battle lines where the fight was going to be the hottest. Um, He was going to Jerusalem to tell more people about the life and good news of Jesus Christ, including some pretty prominent political figures. Um, And uh, there's going to be a lot of people there in Jerusalem that would fiercely oppose him. Uh, And we actually read later that some people were actually conspiring against him to kill him. They were laying in ambush, waiting to just catch him while he's traveling and just slit his throat or hang him. I don't know what it was going to be, but it was going to be gruesome, I'm sure. Um, And so this is what he's facing. He knows, like, tough times are coming ahead. Um, And so he's writing farewell to um, the Ephesians, the Ephesian elders, which was a a group of people, a church that he helped start. And the reason that's kind of significant is that scholars think that this may have been his favorite church, maybe his favorite um, church, leaders that he worked with because he spent more time with them in a consecutive period of time than anywhere else. It was two years. And uh, basically, we get the idea that he was probably really comfortable there. He probably loved the relationships that he had. He was felt warm and refreshed being with them. And I'm sure they had some hard times and worked through some things, but he loved it there. And for him to say farewell to them and move into the place where he's going now, is that's a pretty bold thing. And we see that he's left in the dark as to knowing the exact kind of trouble he's going to face. He can't even hardly prepare for it. He just knows that there is going to be trouble, and that's probably going to be the worst he's yet experienced. Despite all that, he rose to the challenge, and um, he had strong courage and resolution just to get the job done, regardless of his personal safety and comfort. Um, He didn't do it obstinately or begrudgingly, but his main concern was completing his assignment with honor. So basically... Paul sets the bar really, really high. <laughs> and when I think seriously about everything that he went through, I feel kind of sheepish using this passage and somewhat comparing it to myself. But um, I see there's a few key things in what he says that I can learn from and uh, just apply them to my life in somewhat of a less intense degree. So as I submit myself to Christ um, through this passage, I, I 
I see a couple things. First of all, I must endure hardship. It's probably the most clear thing I see. Um, I'm going to have to take some hits, willingly take hits in, in life. Um, I see this in you know, the first part of the passage. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. But I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are going to f- be facing me. So for me to follow Jesus Christ, it's going to affect my comfort. Um, Jesus is going to ask me to endure hardships. It's not if they come. It's for sure when they come. Um, and they're going to come in a variety of ways. Uh, one source of opposition that I experience frequently is spiritual warfare. And we have been talking about this and using the sword against it. Um, the enemy has attacked me and my family numerous times, um, frequently using fear and discouragement just to push us down. Um, my, me, my wife, and even my 15-year-old daughter, we, we sometimes we experience this oppression. And we have to use verses that we've memorized, things that are in our hearts to fight back and to uh, use the only weapon we have, which is a very effective one. So that's one form of opposition. But um, most of the hardships I've experienced uh, don't usually come from bad people doing bad things to me, like we see in Paul's case, um, putting him in prison, really bloody beatings, death attempts, things like that. But usually my hardships are come in the form of things that I need to give up. Uh, Paul gave up a life of comfort and ease, willingly, and so I, too, have to choose to give up things that I want. So sometimes I'll, I'll be going through life or having some experience, and I'm feeling like God wants me to give something up. Um, if I choose to comply and I let it go, then I'm tangibly showing him, I'm showing Jesus that he is my commanding officer, and I will do whatever it takes to serve him and please him. I'll show you a picture of something I've struggled to give up. This is a picture of upstate New York. This is where I herald from. <laughs> Me and my wife, we're, we're both from this area. I, I live near this area. And uh, this picture may not do much for you, but this is kind of like the rolling hills and the streams of the Shire for me. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Hobbit fan, that's how you can relate it. And uh, even if I just drive through the road, I, when we vi- you know, visit family there, we drive through the road, I just I feel refreshed and lifted just to be in this area. So I miss that a lot. And, and as I just mentioned, our family is there also. Uh, most of my family and most of my wife's family. And we miss them a lot. If you look at a map, like Southern California and New York almost couldn't be further away in the continental U.S. <laughs> um, so our, the way that we miss our family has actually only increased over time because now we have a daughter. And I really want my mom to know my daughter. I want my daughter to know who my dad is and my sisters. And I want Liana to know my, Aaron's family too. And so being here uh, comes at a pretty high cost to us, actually. And so as I think through that, um, I have to figure out why I'm still here. And the main reason is that I'm confident that my current assignment from Jesus is to be in Riverside, a place that I've actually now come to love also. But um, the fact that my assignment in here is here has been confirmed to me over and over again through uh, just the way that God has provided for us to be here and the way that he's brought us through deeper levels of growth and obedience to him and maturity in him. So the way I see it, instead of being a self-directed mercenary, a soldier of Christ is actually um, a directable emissary. Uh, I spend a lot of time self-directing and just picking a way that I want to go and just go for it regardless. Um, But the times that I've chosen to be directable usually turn out for my greater benefit and actually greater life impact as well. So when I think about this whole area of hardships, um, 
I don't really consider myself at Paul's level. I don't consider myself a full-fledged soldier of Christ because I know I haven't been fully tested in this area. And this maybe even this isn't that extreme compared to what I will experience. But um, in fact, in the Bible, we only see there's only two people that were called a soldier of Christ uh, by Paul. One was Archippus in Paul's letter to the to Philemon, and another was Epaphroditus in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And the thing that marks those guys that sets them apart is um, the way that they endured hardship almost to the point of death, um, and they stayed focused on their mission, and they put their whole life to the Lord's use. So for me, I know, for me to get to that level, I anticipate that additional and more difficult hardships are going to be coming my way. Uh, Paul anticipated trouble. He didn't know when or where or what kind. Um, But for me, when hardships come, I'm going to have to trust Jesus will show me how to walk through them and, and to keep pushing forward and to walk with him. Um, And hopefully he gives me the grace to do that. When I look at this passage, there's another thing I see. Uh, Submitting to Christ is going to require that I reduce my view of myself. Um, Paul makes this interesting statement. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Which when I first started thinking about that statement, I thought it was kind of (laughs) reckless. But the more I I thought about it, I realized he's saying, um, it's not about me anymore. I have to stop asking questions like, you know, what's going to be in it for me? Or, or what's going to be good for me? Or, or even the question, you know, what's going to be the best for me and my family? Um, which I need to take care of my family for sure, my wife and my daughter. But the better question to be asking is, what's going to be the best for Jesus Christ? Uh, regardless of how it affects my, me or my family, my money, uh, my free time, uh, any other resources that I have. So I've been talking about wanting to live a life of significance, and I heard somebody say, uh, significance is using the things I have control over and putting them to use for the Lord, and using them to build his kingdom. So I, I can't tell you how many times, in contrast, that I've, I've been asked to participate in some event or help on a project of some kind, and first the question that goes through my mind is usually, you know, how much gas is it going to cost me to get there and back? Or... Um, wouldn't I just rather hang out at home tonight? It's been a long day of work. Um, or sometimes I may even consider using my family as an excuse not to go. Like, they need me at home right now. Um, and sound noble about it, right? But uh, I need to ask myself a different question altogether. Will it be pleasing to Christ if I pay the cost and I take the time to invest in those people or that project? Uh, which is a real hard challenge to do, and it's something you know we have to build into. And then one third thing that I see from this passage is that submitting to Christ, uh, I must limit my focus and finish strong. Um, The final part of Paul's statement here is, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He's talking about um, just proclaiming the good news of Jesus and letting people know how, basically how to connect with God in a real spiritual way. And uh, this, this idea is something that consumes a lot of my mental energy. And uh, I, I just know that regardless of wherever I live, uh, whatever job I have, how much money I make, any other detail that affects my life, this one thing is going to have to be constant. And helping others to experience the love and grace of God is, is what I see the overarching mission for my life. Um, though there's like specific missions in the midst of that, um, but I know that if I ever stop, if I stop trying to help people come to Christ and, and lead them to Him, 
I'm going to be walking in disobedience to Jesus. And things are going to start looking pretty grim for me. And I'm really not the greatest at this yet, and I don't have a, a ton of experience in helping people come to Christ. But I'm striving to keep this as a foundational building block for my life. Um, and I really hope that's reflected in my calendar, just the way I spend my time, uh, especially my free time. Uh, and also my spending habits, just the way I use what I have. I hope that's reflected. And fortunately, being a part of this church, I've had the tremendous privilege of seeing people commit their lives to Christ, which is amazing. And I've even had the opportunity to, to have a hand in that, even recently, in the past few months. Um, and the reason there's so much significance to that is that the implications go on forever. It's, I mean, you know about eternity, I'm sure, and, or at least something about it. And I know that if my pursuits revolve around things that happen here and now, then I think that's pretty short-sighted and kind of pointless if that's it. So when I get to the end of my life, or whatever, whatever happens or however it goes down, if this hasn't been the focus of my life in tandem with pleasing Christ in all areas, I know that I'm going to have to answer for it. And I'm encouraged by Paul because he's, you know, he's the one that made this statement about wanting to finish strong. And um, we see that he did. In 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, through 8, he tells us, uh, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. He's getting ready to move on. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he goes on to say after that, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to everyone who has longed for his appearing. So I'm encouraged and motivated by this, that, that Paul aspired and he achieved. Um, in all honesty, I don't really know if I have what it takes to, to live a life this purposefully, but I know I want to try. And as I make the effort, I see how God develops me in, in being able to do that uh, little by little. So uh, at this point, I'll have the band come up. We'll uh, transition a little bit, and the ushers can get ready to prepare our tithes and offerings. If uh, maybe something of what I said has resonated with you in one way or another, uh, it may be helpful, it might be profitable to you to consider asking yourself the question, what do I live for? Um, I was asked to come up here and to share what I live for. So if you were given the opportunity to speak in front of a group of people of some kind, you know, what do you live for? What, what would you say? Do you, I mean, do you know yet? Or um, There's some questions on the back that might help you answer that question. And you can answer them right now. Just jot some ideas down or maybe later on you want to think about it. Um, but one of the questions you can ask for is, uh, what motivates me? What gets me fired up? Uh, like as Scott was saying, like getting out of bed. Like if, if my job is grueling, why, why do I get out of bed every single day and keep going? What is the motivation? Another question you might want to ask is, um, am I living for something that's displeasing to Jesus Christ? Um, if he is your commanding officer as well, you want to you know if you're displeasing him. And then thirdly, uh, maybe of the things that I have control over, how can I better put them to the Lord's use? Uh, and that could be your, your time or your family's time, what you do after work, um, your money and resources. For me, one of the greatest rewards I receive from serving Christ is actually being a part of this church. And I, I keep mentioning that, and I'm really grateful for you guys. Um, and I'm highly motivated by serving alongside other men and women who take God seriously. And I know that there's many here who diligently work to place a high priority on the kingdom of God in their lives. And so because of that, we're able to get a lot done as a church. And I was thinking about this earlier this week when um, a group of people got together to put together this new stage design, all these hexagons and stuff, which it looks really good and it's really well done. 
and uh, we were putting it together. Most people worked on it from about 5.30 p.m. to about 10.30. Most of them were coming like straight from work. And we were outside. We were just working on things, and it was getting later. It was getting dark out. And I kept expecting people to leave and head home so they could just have their time for the day. And uh, we just kept working on it. We were sawing, gluing, drilling, stapling, painting, until finally it was all done. And I thought, as we were working, I thought, no one here is getting paid for this, but everyone is working like they are. And um, I'm sure it would have been much easier for, for those people just to, to head home after a long day of work and have spend an evening in their own way. I mean, I wanted to do that too. Um, but I was filled with gratefulness uh, just to be a part of a body where so many people want to give their time and their, their effort to something beyond themselves. Probably the best part about it is that I don't think anybody there would have actually felt like they were working. They probably would do it again this week if, they, if there was a need. Um, and that's just because of the joy and the sense of significance we get when we work together towards the mission. So um, at this point, I'll have the ushers come around and you guys can uh, collect the offering. And if you uh, filled out one of those connection cards, go ahead and uh, just drop it in the basket. Not only do most of our members serve our church with their time, like I was just describing, but also with their financial resources. Um, at OCC, we're uh, totally supported by the members and regular attenders, the people that call this place their church home. So if you're a guest, don't feel any pressure to give. Um, I'm really glad that you guys were all here to, uh, to make it this worship this morning. And uh, as Scott mentioned, we'll be continuing this series for a couple weeks. And it m- possibly, for some people, it, it may be tempting if, the, if you know the, the main speaking pastor isn't going to be there, just as like, eh, I'll pass on that one and catch him when he comes back. But uh, maybe I would just encourage you just to, to stick it out. And um, I really think we're going to benefit tremendously from hearing from some of these other guys. Like down-to-earth guys got real jobs and are working on things in life and, and talking about they really care about God. It's really motivating. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing what the next couple weeks hold. And um, I hope you'll join us for Sunday next week as well. I'll just uh, close this in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, first of all, for your word, the way that it instructs and guides us, and it really keeps us on track when we're trying to follow you. Um, I pray that you would just use it today to encourage and just lift our eyes up to something higher, maybe just jolt us out of uh, just our typical routine and, and figure out where we can better serve you. Even for myself, Lord, I, I constantly need that. Um, I just thank you for the opportunity to worship together as a, just a group of people that love you. I pray that you just bless the rest of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.